welcome to an exploration of the Mass from Patchwork Heart Ministry and the St. Raymond Anatas Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. This is part four, and on this part, we are going to talk about the Eucharistic prayers. So I want to join here with my friend Bill Snyder. Bill, it's great to be here with you. And it's always great to be with you, and uh, I can't believe we're wrapping up this series already, but uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful to... Uh, be with you talking about the Mass and wrapping this series up. So thanks so much for doing this. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much to you. And making the shout out to, to our audience, both from Patchwork Heart Ministry, the St. Raymond Anatas Foundation, and of course, with the St. Raymond Anatas Foundation, our audience, our families in crisis. So we especially want to speak to those people. Maybe you or someone you know has been away from Mass. And during this series, we're talking about the beauty of the Mass and the Holy Eucharist. And part of that beauty, of course, is the Eucharistic prayers. There's four prayers. And I know that we are going to really reflect on those and what's important about them. And I'm on a website right now, which I just want to draw attention to, on the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. If you go to that website, which is usccb.org, they say that the liturgy of the Eucharist begins with the preparation of the gifts in the altar. As the ministers prepare the altar, representatives of the people bring forward the bread and wine that will become the body and blood of Christ. The celebrant blesses and praises God for these gifts and places them on the altar, the place of the Eucharistic sacrifice. In addition to the bread and wine, monetary gifts of support of the church and care of the poor may be brought forward. The prayer over the offerings include this preparation and disposes us all for the Eucharistic prayer. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And not many people know that there's actually four Eucharistic prayers. The first one is the longest one, and the shortest one of the four is the second one. So, Bill, I'm just going to hand it over to you. Maybe you can kind of explain to our audience a little bit about those Eucharistic prayers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, thank you so much for, you know, doing this, and, and I'm excited to be talking about these Eucharistic prayers today for sure. And so, you know, um, I, when we were planning out the series, we were saying, oh, you know, we probably should do four parts if it's going to take up a whole month, you know, we, each week in, in a month, you know, kind of four weeks. And uh, so, you know, we said, okay, well, we, we know the intro uh, to the Mass, we know the Liturgy of the Word, the Liturgy of the Eucharist, but what are we going to do with the fourth one, and I say, you know, really, when we talk about the Mass, we talk about the Eucharist, there's just so much to unpack. And uh, the Eucharistic prayer is really, the I think, the, the most important part of the Mass, and so we want to really dig into it a little bit and dive into it. As you mentioned, Dan, there's four Eucharistic prayers, and uh, that, ar that arose out of the Second Vatican Council uh, when they expanded upon the number of Eucharistic prayers. But the first one, as you said, it's the longest. It's called the Roman Canon. Uh, and uh, it's, it, so it's, it, it's the uh, longest prayer. It's the most complete prayer. It's the one that's been used um, in, in the Latin Church, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, the, the longest. And it's been uh, retranslated, obviously, um, a few different times. Uh, since Vatican II, but uh, and and translated into English from the Latin, of course. Uh, so it's it's uh, something that I wanted to just kind of you know reference, and then of course we can go through some of the other Eucharistic prayers that you might be more familiar with. Um, but but the but the Roman Canon is really beautiful because um, we 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 see in the Eucharistic prayer that we are entering into heaven. Quite literally, that's what's happening. You know, all time, 
stops. All, um, you know, everything stops for us as a Catholic when we when when the Eucharistic prayer starts, and it's like we are transported to the throne room of heaven, and there's really no more important Eucharistic prayer than one that that shows that, right? Uh, so so I that we are surrounded by saints and angels. And so I, I just want to read a little bit of the different parts of the prayer, but I want to begin with really that, that preface, right? And which, which is the holy, 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 right? We, we always start the Eucharistic prayer with, you know, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. We lift up our hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. It is, and then we say, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just, right? And, and right there, you know, and and I'm going to use a bad Eminem reference for for those of you who are um, <laughs> who are rap fans, but I'm going to use a really bad Eminem reference here. the 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 point is that we are now entering, shifting into something really important: the throne room of God. Eminem says in one of his songs that I was playing in the beginning, but now the mood all changed, right? And and that's true. That's what's happening, right? We were not necessarily playing. The liturgy, liturgy of the Word is very important, right? I don't want to trivialize that. But the mood changes here. And we're saying we are lifting up our hearts. To, we, are, we are taking them into heaven. That's what's happening. We're actually saying that. We lift them up to the Lord. <laughs> like we're, we, we don't want to be here on earth. We want to be with you, Lord, up in heaven. And that's what we're, we're, we're doing here. And then we get to this holy, holy, holy. Okay? And... Oftentimes it's musical, you know, it, it, it's, it's sung in the liturgy. And we hear these words, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, right? And so when we read, and by the way, I'm reading out of this uh, Daily Roman Missal. This is the uh, entirety of the Mass. So if you're seeing me look down to reference and read it, I'm actually reading from uh, the priest's words at Mass uh, directly. And, and again, we're echoing that, entering into the throne room. This actually is Scripture. It comes from I- Isaiah. It comes from Isaiah. At, at the moment of him burning, uh, of those burning coals being touched to his lips to purify him, that's actually what's happening. He sees all of the, the heavenly court there, and this angel comes and he purifies his lips. That is a moment. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. And then we can switch into the uh, Palm Sunday narrative, right? The one that we read the most in, you know, on Palm Sunday, that, that beginning uh, gospel reading, we echo every single Sunday. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That is Jesus entering into what? Jeru- uh, Jerusalem to be you know, crucified. So, so we're saying this is that perfect moment of worship, right? When all those palms are out and all those people are waving their palms, that is what's happening right there. Right there. At every single Mass, we're worshiping God in this perfect moment. Recognizing that He is Lord, recognizing that uh, He is full of glory, and we're, we're, we're shouting and praising His name. We're thanking God. And, you know, there's really one interesting thing, and I, and I don't have the Scripture references in front of me, and I should, but I don't, and I can grab them uh, before the podcast is over. But one of the very interesting things about the Isaiah passage and about the, uh, about the 
the the Palm Sunday narrative is that there is this there is this reference to shaking. Isaiah says the entire house shook, and and Jesus said the earth shakes as he enters into you know into uh, into Jerusalem. Right? He says you know the 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 rocks would cry out. There, there'd be a shaking going on, and it's it's I I don't think it's a mistake that we reference those two scriptures. This is supposed to shake. It's supposed to awaken us to something more important that's supposed to be going on in our lives. Not all this stuff that we were worried about and have been worried about. It's you know the over the course of the week. No, no. It's time now to worship God perfectly in His throne room. And so that's that, that holy, holy, holy. By the way, that holy, holy, holy is present across all four Eucharistic prayers. That doesn't change. But um, so really when you think about that, enter in. That's a moment where you can really, you know, if you're distracted by, you know, something going on in, in your life or in, or in the pew next to you, that's a time to flip the switch and go, okay, now it's time to worship God. Now it's time to, you know, praise God completely. Uh, and 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 really worship him. And so then you know we go into the 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 Eucharistic prayers. And I just want to read some of Eucharistic prayer one um, for you because you know oftentimes we hear in Eucharistic prayer one how beautifully we are surrounded by the saints and and the angels. We are just surrounded by the saints and angels. So I'm going to skip around uh, and I'm just going to read some portions of Eucharistic prayer one because it is long. Uh, but I'm just going to read some of these, and and you you know you reflect on and you, you you tell me in the comments of the podcast, uh, you know what 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 you think about this. I truly believe that we are uh, you know surrounded in in the throne room of heaven uh, during the Eucharistic prayers, and Eucharistic prayer one just really highlights that well. So uh, listen to this: in communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmas and Damian, and all your saints, we ask that through their merits and prayers, in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. <laughs> I mean, you know, wow, aren't we just surrounded, Anne? Isn't it incredible? Like we're just surrounded by the by the saints uh, when we're when we're worshiping. It's like we're transported to a completely different dimension. You want a sci-fi novel? Here it is. Like it's at every single mass, <laughs> right? I'm so glad we're doing this podcast because it really is important. You use the word flip the switch. And I do think that it's important that we do flip the switch in our hearts and our minds when we're with our families and we go to mass because this is a time of deep prayer. This is a time where you lift up all of those things that are in your heart that you're that you are worried about things about your family. Of course, I turn back to the fact that the foundation, St. Raymond Anatta's foundation and Patchwork Heart too, you know, does a lot of work to making outreach to educating and also helping families who are going through some kind of adversities just through the wonderful catechesis that we try to offer through both of these nonprofits. And so I think it's just beautiful that we're going through and talking about this and really realizing that this is a time that when you go to mass, 
to teach your kids too, right? I remember when my children were school age, my children are now in their 20s, but if they would ever ask me during mass, like, can I leave for some reason, go to the bathroom or get a tissue or something and just leave? And I would say, no, because this is a time that this is, the consecration is coming. And these, these Eucharistic prayers are a time for us to really bow our heads and listen and pay attention. So I would try to tell them to do it, you know, either before or after, if they absolutely had to use the the, the bathroom to, to wait on that, wait on that. Mm-hmm. Now, if when reading in the, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, again, there's some more information there about the Eucharistic prayer. It says the Eucharistic prayers make it clear that these prayers are offered not to Christ, but to the Father. It is worship offered to the Father by Christ as it was the moment of his passion, death and resurrection, but it is now offered through the priest acting in person of Christ, and it is offered as well all of the baptized who are part of Christ's body, the church. Mm. This is the action of Christ's body at the at Mass. So I think it is just wonderful for us to really think about that. Think about the fact that th- these prayers are to the Father, and as Bill said, all the angels and saints are gathered around us all during the Mass. And just to continue with what this article says, because I think it's important uh, for me to read this, it says mm. that the priest offers the Eucharistic prayer in the first person plural, for example, For example, therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you. This we signifies that all the baptized present at the Eucharistic celebration make this sacrificial offering in union with Christ and pray the Eucharistic prayer in union with him. And what is most important is that we do not offer Christ alone. We are called to offer ourselves, our lives, our individual efforts to grow more like Christ and our efforts as a community of believers to spread our efforts as a community uh, to God's people, to the Father in union with Christ through the hands of the priest. Most wonderful of all, although our offering is, is in itself imperfect, joined with the offering of Christ, it becomes perfect praise and thanksgiving to the Father. Isn't that wonderful, Bill? I mean, think about that. It's We are in union also with the whole universal church. Every single Mass, we are in union with every Mass that was ever said. Because as my former pastor, Father Bellapiti, Lou Bellapiti, who's no longer at my parish, he's the pastor of St. Agnes in Westchester, he'd say there is only one Mass. Isn't that true? There is only one Mass. Yeah, and we get to participate in that, right? And so you think about all the times you've ever gone to you know, Mass, and you get an opportunity to participate in this eternal sacrifice, this un... You know, this this beautiful sacrifice that we get to plug into it's like it's like we get to plug into it we get the, we get the grace uh, as a catholic to plug into heaven you know and just and just worship god perfectly and as you and, and and i like how that article said it Anne, because even though we are imperfect even though we are imperfect the the whole body of christ you know, can offer this perfect worship and you know it's you know it it it's kind of through those moments of perfect worship, right? Just like I was talking about in the Palm Sunday, like you think about all the people praising Jesus in that perfect moment, and then what happened? You know, five days later, we know what happened. He was crucified, right? But for that moment, for that moment, I remember Bishop uh, Malloy saying that uh, prior to uh, the Palm Sunday liturgy. He goes, think about, just stop for a moment and think about what we did. We just offered God a perfect moment of praise. Right. And and that's what it is when we go to mass. You know, we're able to kind of just offer God a perfect moment of praise. And and and, you know, 
forget about not you know our our struggles and worries and enjoy the presence of God and then uh, God helps us transform those struggles and worries and imperfections by spending time with them in the throne room like <laughs> you know it's like it's like a little kid crawling up on a daddy's lap you know that that's what this is like it's it's so intimate it's so powerful you know uh, one of the other things I wanted to share and too was that this moment i talked about the saints but let's talk about the angels right um let's talk about the angels just for a second this this is um you know a beautiful moment in eucharistic prayer one he says in humble prayer the priest says in humble prayer we ask you almighty god command that these gifts, the bread and wine, the offerings of bread and wine, by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the, mo the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Right? So this is after the consecration. This is after that happens. But it is still a prayer be asking God to, to have his angel show the altar in, in heaven. To show the altar in heaven. And offer this sacrifice in communion with, one another, with that. It's such a beautiful moment. Right, and then we go on to pray for the, the the priest goes on to offer the petition of the mass in there. Right, he says, "Remember, also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with a sign of faith, and rest in the sleep of peace." So those that at that moment uh, we offer, um, you know, the mass for certain people, right, or or for certain petitions, um, you know, oftentimes for deceased loved ones, and so right there, that is. That is uh, the moment where that happens. But think about that. Think about, hey, we are truly, you know, worshiping at one altar, as Anne said. Like, this is one mass, right? And if it, if it wasn't, why would the angel be taking, you know, this, this offering on the earthly altar to the, to the heavenly altar? It is, it is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. Um, you know, the, you know, the words of this. And then, oh, by the way, just, just to finish this off, I, I want to remind you that there, we even go back to more saints. <laughs> we go to back to more saints in this, um, you know, Eucharistic prayer. It continues to say, To us also, your servants, who, though sinners, hope in your abundant mercy, graciously grant some share in fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, C. Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, and Anastasia, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech thee, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord. Wow, isn't that powerful? Do you, do you stop and listen to that? Like That's so powerful, and it really is. Not by weighing our merits, because we we can't match the perfection of God. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation, right? Um, wow. But by granting us pardon, and then listing all of these amazing role models right above that, 
who have done this. You know, John the Baptist and Mar Marcellinus and Peter and all these people. I always joke that my my wife Agnes is in the canon of the mass. I always I always joke around with that <laughs> and say that my, my there's my wife right there, Agnes. You know, um, but it's but it's beautiful. It's beautiful to be able to you know follow the model of these saints and follow um, you know and, and and understand that hey. They too needed God's grace and God's merits, right? And I mean, it just there's so much to unpack. There's so much beauty in the Mass. And so, uh, you know, going through these prayers is awesome. Oh, absolutely it is, Bill. And uh, this is our fourth part, of course. And I just want to encourage people that even though we're talking just specifically right on this one about the Eucharistic prayers, make sure that you go back and watch. We have one that was on preparing for Mass, the Liturgy of the Word, the liturgy of the Eucharist, and then this last one is the Eucharistic prayer. So um, I think the most important thing is for us to remember that the purpose of us doing this four-part series is to enrich your life and so that you and your family can really understand the Mass a little bit more. You know, we're in this time during uh, 2023, 2024, where the United States, a conference of Catholic bishops, is really encouraging us to understand love honor the holy eucharist which is jesus right jesus is body blood soul and divinity and so that's really what the heart of all of this is all about now another question that you might have which i did find a good resource online and i want to refer to it is the rules for eucharistic prayers you might say to yourself well is there a rule to which eucharistic prayers are used at mass now admittedly this is not me that uh, came up with this topic this is from catholic.com and it's by a priest called father hugh barbour uh, and he says that the answer now it's a little bit long but i am going to read it. it's a few paragraphs he says there's no strict rule regarding the choice of the eucharistic prayer at mass except for eucharistic prayer four which may be used only on days that do not have a strictly proper preface. There are, however, norms getting, guiding the choice of the Eucharistic prayer found in the number 365 of the General Instruction of Roman Missal. Eucharistic prayer one, called the Roman Canon, has pride of place as it is the only one which says it may be always used. This is on account that its great authority as the only Eucharistic prayer in use of the Roman Rite for at least 1,500 years now, as Bill said, it's the oldest one. It is strangely perhaps the, the least used now. Eucharistic pr prayer two, which is the shortest one, is regarded as suitable for weekday masses, probably on account of its conveniently brev convenient brevity, uh, called the instruction its particular feature features. It is perhaps the most frequently used Eucharistic prayer, even on Sundays in some places. Pope Paul VI lamented that his permission of its use had led to the abuse of using it because it is shorter than the others. And I think we all know that, um, meaning I know I, I have heard it before, and admittedly, I'm not one that knew every detail about all of the Eucharistic prayers. Eucharistic prayer three, it is suitable, suitably especially for Sundays. And he adds, conveniently has a place for the commemoration of the saint of the day and of the patron of the place or community. My article's almost finished here, by the way. Uh, Eucharistic prayer four may be used on any day that does not have a strictly proper preface. So on Sundays in ordinary time and any feast of memorials or uh, feral days that only have a common preface. Thus, it can be used most days of the year. This prayer is not usually used at funeral masses because it does not have any text that mentions the deceased by name. It is very beautiful and it also is less commonly used than the others, perhaps the least commonly used of the four. Now that one is Eucharistic prayer four, just so that you all know. 
And I'm almost finished here. As for many other Eucharistic prayers approved for children's masses and for special needs and occasions for reconciliation, these should be used only in their limited thematic context, not generally at Sunday Masses, for example. In any case, the instruction makes clear that the four Eucharistic prayers are the norm in ordinary form of the Roman Rite, and that among them, Eucharistic Prayer 1 has certain pride of place. And I think Bill has also communicated that too. So sorry that was such a little bit of a long one, but I wanted to make sure that I read it because some people might have that question about the, the rules for Eucharistic prayers. And again, that was from Catholic.com if you want to go to that mm. by Father Hugh Barbour. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so there's so much good stuff in, in that. And I'm really glad you read that because, uh, it, you know, it's it, it gives a great overview. And, you know, just to kind of put some buzzwords, because I think people uh, don't always focus and and honestly you really probably shouldn't focus and worry about which eucharistic prayer the priest is using right they're all approved to be used in the mass uh so you shouldn't really be like worried about it right um but but to kind of remember which ones that you are encountering uh you can probably pick out eucharistic prayer too as ann said it because it's the most common but you'll probably recognize uh this this line from eucharistic prayer um you know You'll probably recognize this the, these couple of lines from Eucharistic Prayer too. It says, "You are indeed holy, O Lord, the font of all holiness. Make their holy, therefore, these gifts. We pray by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall." You'll probably remember. You'll probably remember that line, the dewfall, um, and and now you can associate that with uh, Eucharistic Prayer too. Um, in addition, Eucharistic Prayer three. Uh, just to give you an idea of, you know, maybe that one and where you've heard that one before. It's some of these lines that you might recognize from it. Um, and again, this one's incredibly beautiful. Uh, again, it says, uh, You give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Again, different language, but again, uh, you know the same same general motif. It's it's very beautiful, right? It's very beautiful that we are worshiping God in complete, um, you know, just just adoration. We're just worshiping Him, um, and then Eucharistic prayer four again. Uh, that one probably is not used as as much, but uh, you would you would recognize uh, this these lines if from it if you if you attend mass in the in eucharistic prayer four is re recognized uh used i mean uh, we give you praise father most holy for you are great and you have fashioned all of your works in wisdom and in love you formed man in your own image and entrusted the whole world to its care so that serving you alone the creator serving you alone the creator he might have dominion over all creatures and when through disobedience he had lost your friendship, you did not abandon him to the, to the domain of death, for you came in mercy to the aid of all. Right? You, I mean, it's just there, every one of these is is stunningly beautiful. And you know, when you when you take the opportunity to really enter into the prayer, right, and 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 transport your heart. I mean, you've just said that prayer. I think that's the biggest thing. You've just said that prayer right before the Eucharistic prayer begins. That you that you are lifting up your heart to the Lord. So why why bring your spirit, why bring your heart back down to earth, 
<laughs> stop, stop, stop doing that at mass. Stop being distracted. You know, and, and believe me, that's easy for me to say. I've got a two-year-old jumping around the pew, you know, when I, when I bring him to church, right? So, so like, I, it, it, it's definitely a challenge for me, right? It's definitely a challenge for me. But the, the idea is, uh, you know, to really lift up your heart and leave it there until, you know, you've received communion. You know, until you've received communion and you are, you know, you know, praying with God in, in, you know, inside your soul, inside your heart. That's where your heart belongs, to lift it up to the Lord. And don't worry about everything else. And that's really hard to do some days. But, you know, that's, that's the intention behind, you know, Mass, right? That's the intention. So. Yes, absolutely, Bill. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm glad that you have that missile there with you so you can refer to it and of course i have some my resources here yeah and uh i think the heart of it all is you said it so bad you said it best when why should we bring ourselves back down right we've been at the consecration of the host we've been at you know through the entire mass and then up to that point then we the highlight of it all is we receive it right we receive him and so we don't need to come down from that. We can leave mass. And uh, I know we talked about that on another podcast, but maybe we can just kind of review that bill. Cause I know that you've talked about it before too, is that idea that when we leave mass, that's, that's not the end. That's the beginning, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It really is. It's the beginning of what's to come and, and how we can live out what we just went through. Right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to share on that because isn't that like all of this is leading up to that high point, receiving the Eucharist, praying after we receive, which I think is very important for all of us to take that time yes. to really, I mean, I put my head down and really try to focus on what I've just received. It's not what, but who I've received. Right. And uniting myself to him, uniting all those worries that I have. And then when I leave the mass, it's not, it isn't the end. It's, it is the beginning for me to go out and spread the gospel. So I didn't know if you wanted to share on that, because I do think that's an important part of all of this, isn't it? Yeah, right. I mean, they, you know, you may just reference it. I'll, I'll pull up the concluding rites in the, in, in the missile here. And, and again, it says, uh, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Right. Again, uh, we're, we're, we're referencing the spirit of, of, you know, Christ within the priest, the spirit of, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this, this holy priest ordination. Right. And then, of course, you know, the priest blesses us. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you then look at the, the, the next piece, it's sometimes the deacon or the priest himself, with hands joined, facing the people, says, Go forth, the Mass is ended. Go forth and announce the Gospel of the Lord. My personal favorite, Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Or simply, go in peace. And the people reply, thanks be to God. The Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. That's my favorite ending line, the concluding rite of the Mass. And of course, uh, the reason why I think I like that one the best is because that's what we're supposed to do. Right? We're supposed to glorify the Lord that we have just, encountered that we have just spent time with that we have just just worshiped we're supposed to then go out and announce how great this mass was right and and 
that's a time to come down. They're actually getting the permission to come down right there. That's the deacon giving us permission to come down out of the clouds, right? To come back down to earth. Take our take take it out now. Take it out to the world that needs it so desperately. Like this this is what's supposed to be going on in you know inside of our hearts, inside of our souls at at Mass. You get permission to take heaven to earth. You know, I mean, we pray that in the Our Father right before we receive communion, all of those things. But we actually get permission right there. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Go in peace. Go forth. The Mass is ended. Go forth to do what? Go forth to announce the gospel, right? This is so important stuff. It is, you know, we are, we are commanded to take it. It's 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 not just like oh yeah go yeah you've got my permission go ahead yeah if you want to you can do it no it's it's like Jesus saying go do it and go do it now <laughs> uh, you know don't don't wait any longer you know don't wait to you, you know get uh, you know to the Starbucks you can start you can start in, in the parking lot and let you know uh, people go ahead of you with traffic and you know try not to flip off your uh, you know the the old lady in the parking lot like you can you can begin to practice what you preach um, you know the moment you step out of those doors and even you know even out of the sanctuary so go do it go do it that's my that's my um, you know uh, charge Fo follow follow what the deacon says follow what the priest says go forth and preach the gospel uh, with your life mm -hmm. I think it was a great way for us to come to a conclusion as we are pretty soon uh, in this beautiful beautiful four-part series and I just want to reiterate again that the purpose of this was it was for you who are watching. It was for, for you and your family, because this is a time for all of us to grow. This is a time for all of us to understand and to pray. And also, you know what? The messages that you learned during these this four part series and even during just this one episode, please share this with other people. I know Bill always says that the easiest way to help our ministries is is couldn't be easier. You just click the share button, right? Send it out on an email blast to your relatives and friends. Send it on social media. Let other people know and be educated. You know, education is the key to freedom and it's the key to freedom of our faith. It's the key to freedom in our relationship with Christ when we really understand what we're doing. We're not just going to mass just, be, just because we should. We're going to mass because we love God above all. And because we know that this is Jesus, we believe what he said in John 6, that this is my body, this is my blood. And and if you don't know about that, I would just suggest that you go in, go to the Bible and read that chapter of John, John 6, and learn about how Jesus made it clear that he is in that body, in that bread, and that is himself, yeah. the unleavened bread, that is him. And we are so blessed beyond belief. So I want to just reiterate again that the first part, when you can go back on Patchwork Heart Ministry YouTube, make sure that you subscribe on that channel. And uh, and if you would also subscribe at uh, Filling Onatus, just because that's the Foundation's YouTube channel, although these videos are housed on Patchwork Heart, make sure that you watch part one, which is on preparing for Mass, part two, which is on the Liturgy of the Word, part three, which is on the Liturgy of the Eucharist. We talked about things aside from the Eucharistic prayers in, during that podcast. And then this one, we focused on those Eucharistic prayers. So, um, Bill, any other final words or things that you want to share on this? 
And uh, thank you, first of all, and thank uh, all of our listeners for and, and viewers for watching uh, this program. We, uh, we really appreciate that. Please reach out to us. I think that's another really big, important thing. Please reach out to us. Uh, you can go on our websites, and there's contact forms. There's contact uh, areas on our websites, or just email us very simply uh, right directly from our website. All our contact information is there on uh, nonatus.org and patchworkheart.org. Uh, and, you know, Encounter Our Ministries, have us, have us come on out to your parish, speak. Uh, we'd love to do uh, something similar to this in person for you, for you and your parishes if you enjoyed this. So we, we really do um, appreciate you for tuning in, and thank you, Anne, as always, for spending this precious time with me on the air and, uh, and, and talking about something which we both love so very much, which is uh, the Mass and, and Jesus. So it's been, it's been wonderful. It certainly has, Bill. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you again for joining us here with Patchwork Heart Ministry at patchworkheart.org, the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation. Be sure to make your appointment with a Mercedarian friar. That's part of what we offer for free for families in crisis. God bless, and we will see all of you here for our next series. See you later. Mm -hmm.